0: Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Brackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On tonight's show, we've got another edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of Everything that happens across the Division I college tennis world, of course, here on Wednesday nights, we focus on the Division One men's action. And look, I don't think it's going to be that hard to sell all of you college tennis fans on why you should listen to tonight's show. Simply put, it's been a jam-packed. Week of news here in the Division One men's college tennis world. Of course, it starts with something we saw on the court. Number one, Texas, taking on number two TCU for the third time this season. The Longhorns, now I think the unequivocal number one in the country as they earn their second win over TCU. This time they do it in Austin 5-2. Of course, we want to offer our thoughts on that result. We want to talk about the biggest news in terms of its impact on the NCAA tournament in May, it's Finally official, learner TN is eligible. I've heard of November surprises. I've heard of December surprises. We've never had an April surprise in Division I men's college tennis. We've got that for all of you listeners today, which, of course, we want to talk about its impact, where it or how it influences our perception of USC moving forward. Of course, again, we've got plenty of other results to discuss. The NCAA tournament, it's less than a month away. I think the selection show is less than two weeks away, folks. And so, again, what we want to do on tonight's show prepare all of you college tennis fans for the home stretch of this 2023 college tennis season. We want to talk about all of the biggest Division I men's tennis results over the past week, preview what you can all expect to see unfold over the week ahead. And if we're going to try to do all of those things. Of course, you know who's going to join me on this show to help me steer the ship. He's a man you all know best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR. One of the many games to root for the Liberty Flames. Of course, the professor, the lean, mean, vegan machine. But I didn't know this until tonight. Also, part time crew chief for the Herbie Foley loaded car family. It's our dear friend, Chris Halioris. Chris, why didn't you tell me it was a tracksuit sort of night? I would have gone accordingly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, for some reason, and I have no idea why, it's like 12 degrees in my house. I don't understand. So, yeah.
0: I'm, I, So I think it's just old people in general, because let's just be honest, in reality, you are far closer to my parents' age than you are mine. And yet, you know, you are one of the closest friends I've developed in life. We have this conversation all the time. It's going to be so awkward when, like, at my bachelor party, people are like, yo, is this guy part of your crew? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. (laughs) Like, he's actually the freaking man. Like, you're going to love Chris Hallioris. But no, I'm home this week visiting my parents. Shout out Laura Michael Gruskin, whom I love dearly. I think they've just ignored the upstairs portion of their house because that's where the kids' rooms are and all of us are now of age where we don't live with our parents actively. It's like 52 in my room. Like <laughs> if I showed you the full blanket setup I have covering my lower half to get away with this turn of beautiful short sleeve shirt. Like what is up with you old people, Chris?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It would be rough if I was sporting one of those shirts and had to (laughs) had to go short sleeved right now. I'm I'm not going to lie, you know, and and I just put in a quick run before the show. Oh, I was it's it's very cold.
0: Every follicle or every like hole where a hair follicle should be in my arm. They're all present. Like, they're all, it's a pure shiver. You know that feeling where you're like, oh, I didn't know I had this many dots. Like, I'm pretty sure I don't have freckles, Uh, yet I'm in freckle mode. I like it. We're both chilly, and yet the college tennis world It's heating up and we got plenty to discuss on today's show. Again, we had final regular season weekend for the ACC, the SEC, all that news coming from the Pac-12, the Big 12, of course, with the NCAA tournament looming. We've got a new segment we're going to introduce to all of you at the start of today's show. But of course, before we can do any of that, got to give a massive shout out to all of you college tennis fans, coaches, players who have taken the time to tune into these episodes excuse me one of these rare times i actually ate dinner before the show because i'm home with my parents and it's just like it's gonna be a mess from a hiccup perspective here tonight folks but you know it's never a mess the turn of grips you get from our dear friends and the support we get at turna and look you know the turn of grip it's iconic you've seen it on the racket of just about every professional tennis player over the course of the past two three four plus decades but guess what Turna continues to get better as time passes as well, and they have their most recent renovation of the Turner Grip. They call it Turna Tough. It's a more durable version of Turner Grip. Still gets tackier when you sweat. Still has that iconic trademark blue color, and look, you ask nicely enough. They'll hook you up with the gear, whether it be a shirt, whether it be a hat. You can turn to our friends at Turna for oh so many things, not just the grip, but a wide variety of items offered by our friends at Turna. Of course, they're most known. For that Turner grip, and you should all try their latest iteration, the next generation of Turner, Turna Tough, which you can find wherever you buy your tennis supplies. Again, a massive thank you to the support we get from our friends at Turner week in, week out here on These Deciding Points. Of course, a massive thank you to our friends at LS as well for their continued support of this show. They've been with us through week One, they've decked us out, whether it be collared shirts, whether it be hoodies. I'm really hoping I'm able to leave my house this week and not have that hoodie confiscated by me, by my mother, who's just going to be like, that looks comfy. It's mine now. Obviously, she has the right to do that. She did birth me. Um, I'm hoping I'm going to escape with it as I'd like to have it for the rest of the year. And look, all of you guys can get access to the immense catalog being offered by our friends at LS by clicking on the link in the description to this show today. A massive thank you to our friends at LS proud partners of The Deciding Point. All right. With all of that said, Chris Hallioris, we're going to mix things up here on today's show. Now, of course, as I alluded to in my intro, the NCAA tournament, it's less than a few weeks away. We're going to know the field. We're going to know not just the top eight seeds, the top 16 seeds, but of course, we'll know who fills out the 64-team bracket come the start of May. And look, we try our best here at Crack Rackets, not just to focus on the headlines, but each and every week on our show, we do a segment called Other Results, right? Where Chris and I try to point out the non-signature, the non-marquee matches that happen throughout the course of any given week. Well, those non-marquee results, obviously they take precedent or they take more, on that much more importance, I should say, here at this portion of the calendar when every team around the country is wondering, am I going to be playing postseason tennis? What are my chances to get into the NCAA tournament? Now, of course, I would highly recommend all of you right away. Go to collegetennisranks.com. Check out all the resources Chris Halliores provides for all of us college tennis fans, whether it be the rankings, the projected rankings, the what-if calculator. If you want to be smart – Best place to do that as a college tennis fan is on collegetennisranks.com. But, you know, before we bring on our special guest here, Chris, which we're going to do in a moment, I do want to ask you, talk to me about some of the new materials you've got available quickly at College Tennis Ranks.
1: Yeah. So just just today, if you haven't been on the site, I know most of the college fans at this time of year are there every day and probably (laughs) following the Twitter, but uh, made a change to the to the projected rankings and now on the projected rankings if you look at that NCAA projections table that's always been there it now accounts for what we believe to be and I say believe to be it's an interpretation because it's not nearly as cut and dried as the ITA formula the criteria and and formula used by the NCAA when it comes down to those all important swaps of back to back teams in the seedings and so you'll now see little up and down arrows if a team is going to win or lose a a side-by-side ranking battle with another team. And if you click that, it'll take you over to a new tool, which is the NCAA Compare tool that shows exactly why they lost that, whether it was because of the head-to-head, whether it was because of their record against common opponents, the record against or the number of wins against top 50. It's all there. Go go check out that. That's the big uh, that's the big work that came out uh, just this just today. And uh, everybody that's already I'm getting coaches all all over about all over it because and the reason that went up, to be honest, was all the coaches that were saying, am I going to lose a head to head swap in the NCAA battle because of and I said, you know what, I just got to put it up online and let them look for themselves and stop taking all the calls.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Again, you can, yeah, uh, what is that, hand off, hand off some of that work to the website itself. And I know it was an idea you've had for a while and you constantly tinker with that College Tennis Ranks website. Again, one of, if not the best resource in all of college tennis. I also know you've done some consulting with some, I should say, a former, I don't want to say a former great. Well, we can just bring him on now as he is going to join us here on for our inaugural Bubble Talk segment. And again, he will be joining us here in a moment. So I hope you all will be a little bit patient. Maybe it's a face some of you recognize. It's, of course, a face we recognize dearly here on our Crack Racket shows as joining us for our first edition of Bubble Watches. Amen. All of you fans of the men's college tennis world will remember most fondly as the associate head coach for the University of Florida. Of course, he had success just about every coaching, not playing, but every coaching stop in his career. It's our dear friend joining us for Bubble Watch, Tanner Stump. Coach, how are you doing today?
2: Doing great, Greskin. Thanks for the intro. Um, It's always nice to know that I have more success than you in every area of life. Um, So, whether it's on the court or in coaching or whatever it is, maybe even commentary. Um, But uh, <laughs> thanks for having me. Really, well, I'd really like appreciate to, the opportunity. I'd like
0: to point out, since we're both at home, I do see the trophies. They look beautiful on Thank your you. mantle. Shout out to our club tennis team. You want to see the trophy? I'll give it at the close-up. i, I got to get the uh, the graphic better there. But <laughs> I've got my national championship gear in the background here as well. So we'll go trophy for trophy in a moment. But I love it. yeah, I promise I'll let Chris talk in a second. I do want to ask you, though, and I know we talked about what you've been doing outside of uh, the coaching world now here in your first year away from Florida, but bubble watch in general, this time of the year, what is I, you were on some teams that didn't have to worry about getting into the NCAA tournament, but how stressful is that process? And what are some of the the misnomers that maybe fans don't understand go into this selection process?
2: Yeah. Well, I think bubble watch is interesting because it affects everyone, you know, that's near the cut line and above because, you're dealing with seedings you're dealing with implications of trying to be maybe on the opposite sides of the draw of another team um and so even at florida you're, you're constantly watching it to kind of see how it's going to play out but i specifically remember being in a situation at mtsu my second year and we were ranked right around 40 going into the conference tournament and i think it was probably before chris had anything to do with uh, putting the rankings out so i was probably calculating them myself and I realized that if we took any loss along the way we would be below the cut line and we obviously would miss out on the auto bid and so it was a win uh and get in scenario and so yeah we ended up losing in the conference finals and not making the tournament that year but yeah it's super super stressful um i think the players feel it too um but it's obviously extremely exciting and makes the highs very high because you know it it means a lot for your team to qualify for the tournament and When I was putting the article together, there's a lot of teams that haven't been in this position in a while. Um, So for them to be able to make history or or recent history is is pretty darn exciting. Mm
0: -hmm. And again, I want to get to this year's field, who's on the bubble, what we should be watching for down the season's home stretch. But to get back to that thought process of as a coach, what are you looking for? You know, listeners may not know you have a limited amount of competitive dates throughout the course of the year as a college coach to put your team on court, compete, whether it is an in individual matches in the fall and team matches in the spring. I'm curious just from your philosophy, and I know we're nerding out here. Were you someone who liked to have an extra day or two of competition at the end of the season, just in case that you could play with, or, you know, again, how, how in your, in your experience, How early should that schedule be locked in? And do you think it's beneficial to have some fluidity at the end of the season?
2: That's a great question. I mean, I think we always tried to be prepared with the team that we had, you know, and and scheduling is tricky because it happens sometimes two years or three years out. Um, You get some of your schedule locked in. And so you don't really know what your personnel is going to be at that point either of what kind of level you're going to have on your own team. And so there is some last minute finagling that has to happen for you to make sure that your team is in a comfortable position come the end of the year. Um, you know, and so we never really were in a position where we needed to add late. Um, you know, adding would probably come in March somewhere in there just to make sure that there was the cushion or we saw what was going to play out towards the end of the season. You know, I'd like to think that as you near the end, you don't want to be just trying to throw something out there to get it to stick because that sends the wrong message to your own team. Uh, and you want to feel like you're in a position to earn it, not a position to panic and try to come up with something right at the end. So I think preparation and planning is a pretty big part of that and and knowing your team and balancing your schedule the right way.
1: Yeah, I mean, clear, clearly... A bulk of your schedule, especially at a school like Florida or any SEC school, right, is going to be a. You've got your conference schedule, and b. Some of your big matches you have to schedule out. But I've I've got to believe. Look, we saw it with what with, with what Coach Shelton did this year. They had to keep an open date because they didn't. They they had such a young team, right, and they fill it with a doubleheader uh, against. I don't even remember who who Eastern Kentucky. I think maybe it was, but somebody right just. You know, and and I know when you were at Mississippi State, it was hey, if you have a bunch of seniors coming back and you're very, you know, you're very veteran laden, not so much of a warrior, you get a really young team, and not only get do you, do you maybe save a date, but you play more matches that are going to be, you know, not not top ten type matches early, but then when you've got the guys that are all seniors, you're like, hey, let's load up as tough a schedule as we can get, right? Sure. And some but sometimes
2: unexpected things happen. Like you qualify for ITA indoors and then you go up there and you get banged up three times in a row. And it's like all of a sudden we're looking up at a at a record that we didn't expect to have. We expected to go one and one and kick off, be five hundred there, and then, you know, have the time to play some of these other teams that maybe increase our record. But I remember Tulane a few years ago talking with with Mark Boris about it and his team like did what you want them to do, which is upset uh, a host to go to idea indoors. But then the level of competition there is so high. Anyone can go 0-3 and, and then it's like, all right, we, we need to backpedal a little bit here and figure out how we're going to still, you know, be able to get our team to 500, but even more than that, give our guys the confidence that's necessary to, to have a record that we feel proud of and, and one that, uh, we can go into postseason with feeling good
0: about. Yeah. And on that note, let's take a look at the twenty twenty three teams. Now, again, for our listeners that don't know, you wrote a piece about all of these bubble teams, about what you're watching for here down the season's home stretch. Let's just start there. Chris wrote it. I just put my name on it. Yeah, <laughs> that explains the grammar. Uh, no, but with yeah, with, uh, with all of that said, again, you mentioned it earlier. Their history is a little bit hyperbolic. But there are some new teams in the mix, and I'm curious if that jumped out to you. Maybe it's the race for second place in the ACC. Like, There are some definite low-hanging fruits for us college tennis nerds to enjoy. What appeals to you this season, Tanner?
2: The one that jumps off uh, to me, and they're not near the bubble right now, but Utah, Uh, just an amazing season that they're putting together and going into the final weekend here against USC and UCLA. I mean, controlling their own destiny to win the Pac-12 outright. I mean, that's a position that they haven't been in. I don't know how long and obviously hosting implications on the line, too, if they're able to sweep those matches and have a decent uh, conference tournament. So. You know it could be a year of first for them, but you know, a lot a lot of work in front of them with what USC now is, is throwing out there on the court and, and where they're at. I think they're they've already got a foothold uh with UCLA in the match right now. Um but uh San Antonio, the, the Roadrunners, uh doing some great things there. I think the last time they were uh they went dancing was like 2015. Um so they're having a great season. But they're one of those teams where it's like To have such a great year to really maximize the schedule they've had. They had a bump right at the end of the season against, uh, I think it was Rice, that kind of dropped them down into a dangerous position. And they're now in that MTSU situation that I mentioned where if they take a loss against the wrong team, they could find themselves on the outside looking in. Mm
0: -hmm. No, I think those are all good. I mean – the Utah one is fascinating because – and you guys are better at the math than I am. That's not true. You guys are just more attuned to the math than I am. Um, but I'll, I'll go to you now, Chris, here. Does Utah have a legitimate top 16 shot? Because, like, again, to to Tanner's point, USC, UCLA this weekend, USC obviously a top 15 team. If they beat the Bruins today, they'll have won 3-0 and at row with Lerner Tien. Obviously, they've got a lot of momentum. But still, the points are there for Utah. Are they not, Chris?
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, they they definitely have a legit shot. They just have to pull off a good win, right? I mean, they're they're in they're inside the top twenty. So <clears throat> anytime you're within two, you know, two to three spots of getting there, yeah, it's it's very feasible. But it's not going to be feasible by you know losing to losing to the USC and then you know losing be- without beating one of the big teams in the conference tournament. They're going to have to pull one off somewhere. But if they can get one of those. Whether it's this this last match with USC or in the or in the, the Pac twelve tournament, yeah, it's it's a very possible thing for them.
2: But Chris, they they own the head to head against Arizona and Stanford. So if the season ended today, there's nothing to say that the committee couldn't put them in at that final spot, uh, which we saw last year. There was jumping all over the place. Uh, right. Yeah. And oh, it's gonna be. Out. So I I think they're in a really strong position. To your point, if they do beat USC and UCLA, then they're almost guaranteed to, you know, get in there. Um, But Stanford and Arizona control their own destiny as well, because we've still got the conference tournament. So it's really about who steps into that tournament and plays well. And, you know, a team like Stanford, I think their lowest point total right now is 16 and their ninth win, So they have the most to gain by beating a better school, even in the twenties or thirties, they'll, they'll, their ranking points will go up pretty significantly. So I think it's a, it's a race in the pac 12 for that spot right now. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out in this final weekend. And then in the conference tournament.
1: Yeah. As you mentioned, it it, this is where it just gets so tricky. They own that head to head over Stanford and Arizona, the two teams in front of them right now that would have actually put them 16. The only problem they have, Arizona actually wins a wins a breaker over North Carolina right now that jumps them a spot and then stops Utah from being able to to leapfrog them. But th- that's all going to obviously shift as we play out these conference tournaments. So but that's how close they are. I mean, they're if they're right there and they don't take a bad loss. It's very possible that even with the committee uh, scenarios where they just leapfrog teams, they could get in.
0: Yeah. And you talk about those groupings of teams. Obviously, Pac 12 still has one week of regular season play to go, but then they've got the conference tournament. They've got those matches ahead. I do want to ask you about a cluster of teams in a conference you know well. Of course, that's the SEC. And right now, you look in the top eight, you know, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee, even to some extent, I would argue, Mississippi State. Like, I don't think they're fully eliminated from top eight contention either now. I don't want to get you in trouble, but I'm curious. A, how, you know, were you viewing things like, can we get a better eighth win? Can we get a better ninth win when you and the Gators were approaching the conference tournament? And then, B, and again, you can put on your SEC hat here. I am curious. Do you think that the SEC deserves four top eight schools? Because some of that is just mathematical hoarding. And I don't know if it's accurate or not.
2: Mm. Well, you put Michigan number one, no matter what, no matter what year it is. So <laughs> it's not like you're biased. And I guess I'm a little biased towards the SEC. So I'll try to I'll try to answer it the best that I can. Uh, but to answer your first question. I wasn't too concerned with the the point calculations. It was more just keeping an eye on it. Uh, I was obviously invested in what would happen, what the outcomes of certain matches would be. But as a coach, the more that you put in your own head, the the worse you're probably are as a coach, because if you feel more pressure to get the job done, then your team feels that too. So uh, I didn't do a great job always shutting that off, but Brian always gave me great advice to shut it off and to make sure that, that we kept our eyes on the prize and, and focused on the task at hand. Uh, and then after, you know, after the weekend or after the tournament, figuring things out and kind of predicting or projecting where things were going to be, this is a tangent, but you know, it's, it's really difficult to set your lineup for NCAAs because You don't know the draw. And I've always felt that that's really interesting because in every other situation throughout the year, you know your opponent and you can plan for your opponent by making little switches here or there. And you have to make that decision before. So to try to kind of project and calculate, okay, who do we think are going to be in the area of uh, maybe not in the in the regional hosting, but who are the bigger seeds in our area and and what do we want the potential matchups to be? um, That was somewhat important. So we would calculate that. Um, in terms of whether there should be that many teams in the top eight, um, I think it's very legitimate. With especially Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee, I think those are three of the better teams in in the mm-hmm. in the nation, and I think that they're capable of beating anyone on any day. South Carolina was that team at the beginning of the year, and they've they've kind of hit that dip. Had a much needed sweep last weekend with Florida and Texas A and M, but I think they still have something to prove to be in that, that spot. And they're going to have the chance to do it because they could easily get bumped. I think right now they're number six, but they could, they could get bumped because there's so many good teams behind them too, to your point with, with uh, Michigan and Virginia and teams that have a ton of pedigree and leadership and all the things that are required to win their conference tournaments. So if South Carolina doesn't go in and take care of business in the SEC tournament and, make at least the semifinal run, then they could be in trouble and, and lose out on one of those top eight spots.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, case in point, you know, uh, and I'm going to switch here. This was the photo I was trying to show. You want to see what a national champion looks like. That's a <laughs> national championship look, folks. Um, look at that. I was actually yeah.
2: looking at the picture in, your, in the background, the uh, yeah. little frame Honest, on the wall. You, so. you like
0: Honest Dave? There he yeah. is in the background. Yeah, he's yeah, so looking what... over all, all the lies I stew on this show. Uh, <laughs> each and every week, but no, again, we don't want to take up too much more of your time, Tanner. Really appreciate you chatting with us. I, I know, Chris, if you have a final question, definitely ask after this, but my last one is you, know, you pointed to Utah. You pointed to uh, we talked about some of the interesting seeding races let's get really nitty gritty 38 to like 50 you know the, the SMUs of the world who it just feels like every week they're plus or minus three spots and like you know the rices of the world I think they're very much in the mix LSU might have saved their season by beating Auburn last weekend talk to me about those teams you know what do they say last four in last four out I think that's what they do for the college basketball I'm curious where you see things as right now Tanner
2: yeah there's a couple of interesting storylines heading into that you know i think oklahoma state's a big one right now i think they're the last team in and they've got a 12-12 and record so if they lose against texas tech they're out no matter what if they win that match they put themselves on the right side of the bubble but what i'm always so fascinated about is the other conference tournaments you know that are happening and the bubble can shrink you know and so even if you're safe this week doesn't mean that after this weekend when we have the aac and the cusa that a bid's not stolen and that cut line then all of a sudden moves to 44. And so, you know, I think they're an interesting team to watch. Nebraska is an interesting team to watch playing Wisconsin this weekend, followed by the conference tournament. If they pick up that win and one more in the tournament, they could be on the right side of the bubble. Um, and again, two teams that it recently haven't had the opportunity to go. And so there's a lot on the line for those, for those programs. Um, and so, and then you got UCF as well, who's currently under 500. And so, without making uh, the finals, they can't be eligible for uh, the NCAAs because their record. And so, they need a finals run to both put themselves in the field ranking wise and also with their record.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I think all of those choices are interesting. You mentioned that Nebraska t- uh, program. What Sean Mamie's done there again, assistantless for the majority of last season. He brings in Peter Cobalt this offseason. Yeah, they're right on the bubble. Like these are fascinating Big Ten matches uh this weekend. Sorry, Chris, I I saw you were you were you had a question. I didn't mean to cut you off. I would also say in the in the line of succession, shout out to the show succession, in the line of succession for the Michigan head coaching job, it probably goes Steine, Benny. And then I was thinking I was third, and now you bring up Sean Mamie, I'm like, no, Sean's probably third. And then I think I'm a distant fourth, right? now. Yeah, pretty distant. But yeah, yeah. Big thing, I forgot about Sean. I was like, God, that that means I'm never going to get it. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. And, and just and just about Nebraska,
2: I think Sean's done an amazing job, and mm-hmm. Peter's a phenomenal hire, and uh, I think he'll be one of the bright young coaches in our industry, and really excited to see what he's able to do because um, he has all the right stuff as as a player, mm-hmm. and then.
1: Uh, now as a coach, so he's doing a lot for college tennis. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I actually think the story for Nebraska looks—they're the first; they're really the kind of the first team out because they own the head-to-head over UCF, who's in front of them. But uh, I just don't see the the way the momentum's gone in the Big 12 right now. I don't see Oklahoma State beating Texas Tech in that first match, and if that doesn't happen, Oklahoma State's out regardless of where they end up because they're sub 500, and that moves that. Cut line down to where Nebraska is, and they've got a bunch of teams right behind them that are all struggling with eligibility based off of the 500 rule. Uh, to, to get in, in in UCF, SMU, and Alabama, Alabama's basically got to win the SEC tournament, they can't get in without doing that. So, so I think it looks good for Nebraska. But I say the one that I, that uh, and I think you know, uh, you know, you know him fairly well, Tanner, the one that jumps out at me. Is What about Arizona State with the fact that, you know, what happened to them this year and they were supposed to have Hanslick and Garcia coming in, they don't get them. And and I would have thought right there, that's the season. I mean, forget the NCAA tournament. You're like, you know, that's it's a rebuilding year. Get out and recruit. And they've managed to pull off a couple decent wins and and get themselves squarely in that bubble talk.
2: Yeah, I think Roy Ginnott was a huge addition for them at the start of of the season. Uh, Without him, they're not in this position. And he's just been a staple at five in their lineup and been almost a guaranteed point. Um, So I think it's been a, you know, up and down. Uh, They've had some good success, but they haven't quite gotten over the hump when it comes to, you know, some of the better teams, the signature wins that really help elevate you into the tournament field. And so the good news for them is they do have opportunities remaining to get there, uh, but they're going to have to come through. They're going to have to find their best, some of their best matches of the year.
0: Mm-hmm. I lied. Mm-hmm. I have one bone. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say look, before we wrap, Graskin, yeah. we didn't we didn't intro. We've talked about the, the piece. Tanner and I doing a collaboration here on the men's side. Tanner getting together with Jay, John, John J. Parsons on the women's side on this bubble watch. But all of that can be found at Tanner's site, collegetenniscrashcourse.com. So if you haven't been there, and I really need to get a link just on my site to it, but that's where all of this bubble watch, you want to read everything we're talking about. Tanner's got it all up there. So hit collegetenniscrashcourse.com for that.
0: Absolutely. And you mentioned steals, those non-Power 5 conference tournaments where a team, maybe outside of the bubble, they, you know, I, they upset a middle Tennessee or they beat a UCF in the conference final or, you know, whatever it may be. One non-power five conference tournament that fascinates you most before I let you go, Tanner.
2: Oh, the American by far. Oh my goodness. It's, I mean, every year for the last five years, probably it's just been, you think, you know, who's going to win it. And then somebody else does and there's so many there's so many storylines headed into it because i think the last three years or so there's been a different title winner um and this year that that title winner in the last three years has not been memphis who is the one seed but we're playing at ucf you know and and they're in their home courts and they're in different conditions and so i mean there's probably five teams that could come out of there and win that and i wouldn't be surprised just because there's so many teams. I think it's from 43 to 57, there's like four or five teams mashed in there. And so you've got like an absolute bubble recipe right there. Uh, bubble teams should definitely be rooting for Memphis. Anyone else is kind of going to steal a bit or steal uh, the line a little bit. So um, I think that that'll be one to definitely keep an eye on and uh, and see what happens. Not that I'm not also watching uh, my uh, MTSU Blue Raiders yeah. at uh, the CUSA and, and seeing if they can uh, take care of business there
0: yeah I assume you've just blocked all Abdullah Shelby notifications from your Twitter because you're just like it hurts too much you're like I'll watch I'll watch MTSU I'll watch a you know American Athletic Conference all these things I uh, notice how I snuck it in there you like that Yeah. no it's
2: I mean gosh what a story what yeah, a story, it's unbelievable.
0: Man. What That's what story. that was really what I wanted to ask. If I would have told you he was going to be 2 what, 60 in the world or whatever yeah. he is right now winning ATP level main draw matches, would you have been like Alex, relax.
2: Yeah, I think I think he would have said that too, you know. Yeah. I think it, I think he <laughs> You know he's we all we've always seen the talent he's a he's a very talented individual i think the college step was a great step for him because he was forced to mature and man sitting is not fun you know he had to watch and he had to learn from some of the other guys on our team and he had to kind of internalize that feeling of not getting to play the sport that he loves and so um yeah definitely surprising at the ascent more more than the ranking just surprised at his ability to hang with every opponent that he plays and I know he's got a tougher one tomorrow against Mir, But just, yeah, I think he's got a good future. I think he's got a great setup back home. But just coming from Jordan, no tennis infrastructure. Um, Laura Fassal, she's helped him a lot in his career to get him to this point. And she uh, deserves a lot of credit for his journey. But just coming from there and, and uh, you know, being the first to do everything that he's doing is just such a really cool story and should be inspiring for a lot of kids. Uh, out yeah. there.
0: Absolutely. And again, you talk about identifying his talent. I think it's pretty clear. You look at the recruiting classes you were a part of bring, bringing in. There was no one better at identifying talent than Tanner Stump. And that is why I'm sure the entire college coaching world is more than okay with you sitting on the sidelines for a little bit. But as Chris mentioned, how can people get your expertise? Talk to us about college tenniscrashcourse.com. Talk to us about everything you're up to.
2: Well, my recruiting is, uh, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. So, uh,
0: (laughs) okay. But I'm just saying Nuno Borges, Abdullah Shelby. I'm not going to give you credit for Ben, but like, you know, (laughs) the red, the Vales, the Andrade's of the world. That's a lot of nuts for this blind squirrel.
2: Yeah. Well, Hey, (laughs) right place, right time. Um, yeah. very fortunate to work with a lot of great players and, and have success for sure. Um, what I'm doing now is basically, you know, I'm involved in a lot of things. I'm, I'm working in a lot of areas of college tennis. I'm working both the coaching side and the playing side. So I'm helping players from Europe within a company called Slamstocks um, or players from all over the world, really helping place them here in the U.S. using my connections with the coaches to help them figure that out. And then uh, on the coaching side, still doing consulting and coach education. Have a couple of new products that I'm releasing this summer, just to try to help coaches make recruiting more organized and easy. Things that I would have wanted when I was in the job. Um, so just really trying to to invent things that uh, coaches can uh, use that are uh, give them more time on their hands to do the things that are really important. So yeah, if anyone's interested in in chatting more about what I have to offer, um, all the information is on my website. And uh, love to chat and just hear more about their programs and Uh, what I can might be able to do to help them improve.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, college tennis crash course aims to be an educational resource that assists in the growth and development of coaches throughout the college tennis industry. I will tell you this, we're in good hands if you are helping to guide the next generation of college tennis coaches. And, you know, again, I think there will be a second act to the coaching career of Tanner Stump. I'm just going to throw that out there now as well. And listeners can do with it what they will. But, Coach, always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you. You're one of my favorites. And I appreciate you tolerating mine and Chris's nonsense. Appreciate all you do for the game. You are always welcome back on our show. Hey,
2: thank you so much. It means a lot. And as always, you guys do a great job just promoting the sport, especially this time of year. We gotta keep doing it. You know, we gotta keep trying to grow it and follow get people to follow it and uh just keep growing. That's what I'm trying to do as well, is just bring more attention to it. Do things that improve the sport for everyone because I love it and I think it's a great product.
0: Absolutely. Well, coach thumbs, send our love to your family. Always appreciate the chance to see you. Will we see you in Orlando? You gonna pop by? I'll be there. I love to see it. Then we will see you in Orlando. Thank you as always, Coach. You got it, guys. Take care. Of course, Tanner Stump joining Chris and I for what turned into a 30-minute opening segment, Chris. As expected, again, when you have a brain like Tanner Stump's to pick, you just have to ask all of the questions in the world. And the good news is we kind of covered some things we're going to get into through the rest of today's show. Now, we can rapid-fire through all of the matches, but Chris, just want to give you the final word on this. Bubble Watch, how frequently can we expect it? One more time, plug all the things at College Tennis Ranks.
1: Yeah, I think the bu- the bubble watch that I'm working on with Tanner, that's going to be a weekly, you know, we're hitting weekly updates. So, uh that we we got that out right as the new rankings came out on on Tuesday. We will aim to do that uh again, you know, next week and that'll really, I mean, that'll basically be it because then going into the weekend is the is the selection show. So, so that's, you know, that's that and and the rest of the, you know, the rest of the the things going on are really just the tournament starting this weekend, we get one set of just so everybody knows we get one more single run ranking this coming week. And then the following weekend is the double run. And that's the final ranking that feeds into the NCAA selections. So only two sets of rankings left this coming week and then the next week. And that's what NCAA selections are based off of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, some of the other bubble results, we'll just get through these now and then we'll get to our headliners. We've talked about some of these teams, Chris, let's rapid fire through UCLA wins over Oregon, Washington. We've talked about them, but again, just rapid fire here. They're going to make the tournament. It wasn't a standout season for this UCLA team, but they were solid and that's a step back in the right direction.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're solidly in. They're going to be, you know, in that, you know, 30-ish, we'll call it, range, whatever. We, you know, they're going to be a, a border. They're going to be right on a borderline 2-3 seed. Good year, uh, you know, obviously not where they would like to be. So, but a, at least a good start for them to get back. Can I
0: give you the hot take, though? They have one senior, Patrick Zaraj. Like, this, t- again, like, Jean Luca's a freshman. Giacomo's a sophomore. Tripathi's a fresh Like, uh, you know, Hugh Martins is a sophomore. Yeah, and we
1: haven't even seen, uh, we haven't seen us, you know, Hugh Martins steady
0: yeah. in the lineup all year either. So, exactly. Yeah. This team's really young. They're getting better. Again, you and I have been the leaders of the UCLA is disappointed over the past two years bandwagon. We got to acknowledge that they have slowly, but I don't want to say right in the ship because when UCLA is not top 10, It's just falling short of what that program should be. But they have certainly corrected course here in 2023. Illinois, Northwestern, Tanner mentioned this earlier. They put a lot of pressure on that Wisconsin-Nebraska dual match coming up this weekend. Again, Northwestern, Illinois are solidly in. I think there is a big picture discussion to be had. The Big Ten only gets four teams into the big dance right now, barring something really good for Nebraska. I I think
1: Nebraska is going to be, even though they're the first team below the line right now, I think they're in. I just don't see, like I said, I don't see Oklahoma state beating Texas tech, which knocks them out no matter what. And, and that gives a very good path for Nebraska.
0: Well, let me be clear. If only four big 10 teams get into the tournament, unless even if Michigan are, and Ohio state are both top eight, that's a failure for the big 10 this season, because yeah. it should be a given that Michigan, Ohio state, Illinois and Northwestern are getting into the tournament each and every year. And again, Michigan state's gotten a lot better as the season progressed. Obviously we're always watching what Harry Jaden's up to. We know that Spartans programs on the right track. And same thing with Danny Westerman at Wisconsin. They have been hovering in that 50 to 65 range for, you know, three years now consecutively. really since he's come over from Denver. Right. Cause I believe that's where he was before. Um, yeah, that one's for all the marbles. Like That is a massive match. And again, Big Ten tournament, if one of them could beat a, an Illinois who I believe is going to be the four seed barring something crazy happening against Michigan this weekend, just a little Big Ten update because we have not talked about the Big Ten much this year because they haven't given us much to discuss, truth be told. Not really since Illinois beat Georgia before the national indoors has something remarkable and unexpected. Yeah, it's it's just been the-
1: not, not newsworthy because yeah. we know – Ohio State, Michigan, and then Illinois Northwestern were the next two. And they're just, they're, and there's again, no anybody beating each other yeah, up.
0: Exactly. Absolutely. And so, again, that's where things stand um, in terms of the Big Ten Conference. But you mentioned Oklahoma State. It was a fascinating foursome, Chris. Texas Tech wins over Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Baylor chops Oklahoma State. Oklahoma got Baylor good at home. I mean, like... All six teams could be NCAA tournament bound. I'm really glad we covered this with Tanner. If Dustin, like how this Dustin Taylor group is 12 and 12 and that they might not make the NCAA tournament. If you would have told me that about DT's group in year two, like I thought for sure, I'm I'm still buying stock on DT as a coach. Like I believe in Dustin Taylor. I believe in the resources, everything being built at Oklahoma state. I'm going to give him more time. I did not expect them to still be flirting with 500 this year
1: yeah i I, i'm with you i just they just haven't seemed to get i think there's been more than just the playing in terms of just getting guys you know healthy and being able to play every match as well but but yeah they haven't quite got there yet uh i we were hoping that that they'd be there now it it even looked like early in the year that maybe they would be able to get going but it just hasn't happened and honestly down this down the tail end of the season it just hasn't looked good at all, which is why I think it looks really tough to think that they're going to be able to beat Texas Tech. And 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 you know, just for everybody that that's out there, they are twelve and twelve. The regular season's done. That is a must-win match. Forget what their ranking is. If they don't win the match, they can't get in. Period. Anyway, because they're under five hundred, so they have to beat Texas Tech. And I just don't see it happening.
0: Yeah. No. I mean. Look, it, it was fascinating because, again, like Zink and Teddy Paralak in the Oklahoma State match, that was a good battle. But, like, the Croft can't lose to Belts one and four, like, especially at home. Leighton Allen can't lose to, Co- I guess he got injured, so 4 1 retirement. But, like, still, like, I mean, again, that's, that's just a, it's a, it's a beatdown. Uh, not a beatdown, but like Baylor was won pretty comfortably in that match. And again, I think Baylor has gotten a lot better. Like a Veltz is in the top half of the lineup. Now parallax, a real option at the one or two spot. They haven't had a healthy, thin bass all year long. Mizuchi's gotten better. Baylor deserves to make the NC. I mean, again, so I I've asked you this before. I'll ask you it again. And I know we're not so rapid fire. So we'll go rapid after this. How many of the six get into the, of the big 12 to the NCAA tournament early in the year? You said everyone, but Baylor, are you amending it now?
1: I think it's everyone but Oklahoma State.
0: We said that Oklahoma State-Baylor match was a winner-go-home, and again, Oklahoma State's going to play Baylor in the uh, Oklahoma State's going to play Texas Tech first round of the Big 12 tournament this week. Baylor's got Oklahoma. Yeah, it Bee could get a out, little. It could got be stick- points out. No paralec for Baylor against Oklahoma this weekend, so maybe something different happens.
1: Yeah, they were they were de- yeah they were short parallel uh, rough match. Hopefully, they're you know I know they're looking forward to being a little healthier, but things could get sticky for Baylor if they lose that match to Oklahoma again. I still think they probably sneak in, but uh, a, a win would lock them. But but that could be a little tricky if they lose that match.
0: Yeah, well said. Again, it's a it's an interesting Big Twelve tournament to watch, and then you know rapid fire through. Virginia Tech beating Clemson probably puts Clemson's NCAA tournament case to rest. Louisville, they're gonna be close, Chris. They are maybe one of the teams to watch in terms of bubble wash because they have some really good wins and they are top twenty-five uh top forty good. But just record-wise, I, it got a little funky for them. Chris.
1: They're they're locked in. They're not dropping. They
0: any. are. They're gonna be a lock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay,
1: they're I mean, it's it would it would take a disaster for them to to not make it at this point. They'd have to take a really bad – I mean, I, their first match is, what, Notre Dame, I think, so they'd have to lose that Notre Dame match. Uh, and even if they lose that Notre Dame match, they're still five or six spots in, so it would take a lot of work for people to get around them.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, we'll rapid fire through the rest here. You just raise your finger if you have something to add, too. Uh, Alabama, 6-1 over Arkansas. Tough they're ride for done. those teams to get in now. Yeah. Memphis 4-0 over Tulane. I think Memphis is in Tulane is definition of bubble watch.
1: They Yeah, they are one of the last four in right now. So that's a They're definitely on the bubble.
0: Yeah, needed to get that one. Cornell 6-1 over Dartmouth. I believe they've got Harvard and someone else this weekend. That's like a points win. They've got to be on bubble watch.
1: Um, I don't think that they're there's in- no
0: conference tournament.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah, you're right. There's there's no conference tournament, but I don't think they're in that much danger. It's close because they're at 40 right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they if if they if they somehow don't win a match, then then yeah, it gets a it could get sticky for them.
0: Yeah, they're just a sneaky fun one to watch. San Diego be Pepperdine 4-3, that's just a fun match. Uh, UCSB much needed win over UC Irvine 6 1. Again, things have gotten a little sticky for UCSB, but very, very, very good win. Uh, UCF 4 2 over Tulsa, Tulsa 4 2 over USF. That probably knocks things off for South Florida this year. New Mexico over Boise State, SMU. They're the most fascinating team to me. Like, they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. They keep getting wins. Who knows what's going to happen? Final thoughts on all the others in bubble watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, SMU, look, we talk, yeah, it does. It seems like we talk about SMU, you know, all the time because, and they're in a spot where I think they're one, one below 500 at this point, which means, you know, barring winning the tournament, obviously, if they win the conference tournament, they make the NCAAs no matter what. But if you don't win it all, that means you have to lose a match. And if they're one under, that means they've got to win two. So they've got to win at least their first two matches in the conference tournament and then even that, it depends on how much help, depending on, you know, they have to root for the right teams to be in the right yeah. spot to play them to get the points they need. It's going to be, yeah, that that whole region right there that has SMU, UCF, Nebraska, uh, You that's that, that bubble area is not only are we, we're dealing with the bubble, but we're dealing with all of the teams needing certain circumstances just to make sure they hit 500 as well.
0: This is where you, think about the universal tennis tournament they're doing in Orlando right after, or, you know, that weekend of the championship weekend, this is where you say, no, 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 move it forward to this weekend and do bubble watch. And it's say, fine, you want to play your way in. We're going to bring you all together in Charleston. Here's one last go at it. Bubble watch. That's the event. Maybe there's, there's a free one for you. Universal tennis. I think that's the event that it should be. But again, that's bubble watch. That's where things stand as we approach the final week of regular season play and, of course, conference tournaments all across the country as well. With all of that established, Chris, we are rapid firing through our headlines this week. That worked for you? That way we can keep this show organized, disciplined, and somewhere around the hour mark?
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. We're going to rapid fire through then. Let's start at the top. NCAA's run through number one Texas, Texas. 5-2 victory over TCU. They're 2-1 overall against the Horned Frogs. 2-0 against them outdoors. Their only loss is TCU on the third head of a back-to-back-to-back where they were 4-3 against Ohio State, 4-3 against Michigan the days before. They also lost at Columbus, but as we all know, everyone loses in Columbus. I mean, they lost the doubles point in this match against TCU, Chris. And, you know, again, Aura yeah. the real freaking deal at number six singles. He beats Vivez. Braswell's playing better. Waldieb's clearly back. Spiz drops the first. I feel like Elliot Spiziri drops first sets just so that on the team scoreboard, he can look and he says, all right, we're going to need one three-set win. Perfect. I'll be that guy so they can all do their thing. And like, I swear to God, I had a teammate like this back in the day in high school. Arco Joshi, now it was different because we didn't need him to win matches. He just always liked to be the last on. Elliot, who's clearly the guy right now, I swear, Chris, there's a little intentional to it where he's just like, I'm just going to stay on court just in case we need me to clinch because we know he's going to clinch.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly that's the way it's played out. And I mean, these guys to drop the doubles point to TCU and then do what they did, I feel like, you know, obviously everything we said Back before their last match, right? You know, we rec- I think we pre-recorded the show before the match, yeah. uh, and everything we said that oh, it's TCU a step above everybody else, and 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 then it's every well, obviously what we meant was it's Texas that's a step ahead of everybody else, and uh, and then and then the cluster after it, but yeah, they 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 look phenomenal right now. Uh, they're firing on all cylinders, and it de- it does definitely does look like they are they are the team to beat.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, they're clutch. They're healthy. They've been there. And that's the thing. This group has a little edge to it. And I talked about this with John J. Parsons. If the number one and two team in the country play one another, but no one can watch it since no one has Longhorn Network, did it actually happen? Well, I think this match did actually happen. And certainly the clips that were posted, boy, was that crowd incredible. I think if you're TCU, you don't worry about it too much. Like, again, you're still trying to figure out who should be at six. You've tried Vivez. That didn't work this instance, but he's in three-set match. And, you know, again, what was interesting is they pulled Captain Jack, Jack Pennington-Jones from doubles. They went jong, Maxted at the three spot, and it worked. I don't feel any I, I think I remember
1: saying was- I wasn't yeah. sold on JPJ, Captain Jack, playing dubs all the whole year. And, yeah, that does not surprise me. I think it's uh, – I think that's a very – uh, it was likely to happen at some point so yeah we'll see what it is going forward but but the fact that they got the doubles and still couldn't win that's i mean yes like you that's said nuts. if i'm TCU i'm not i'm not overly concerned i'm concerned if i'm TCU i'm i'm probably not that concerned i think they can sit back and go yeah. Try to beat us three times in a year. That's not
0: easy. Yeah, exactly. I agree. It's one of those instances where you learn more about Texas than TCU. You learn more about Texas in the win than TCU in the loss. They've just got it. That's it's simple. Texas has yep. it and he healthy. I mean, talk about the nicknames across the board. I'm just like, You've got the guy, you've got Captain Jack, you've got PY, you've got the chosen one. If this is your NCAA tournament final, and if it is, it will likely be the fifth time these two schools play in a single season, sign me the fuck up. Sorry, Chris. Uh, Sorry, Westoff, but just... Just I'm going to do it again. Sign me the fuck up. I'm in like I, I'm just you might have gotten the right sentiment, Chris, in that it will be a rivalry NCAA championship match. You just picked the wrong schools. It's not going to be Michigan, Ohio State, which it could still be, by yeah. the way. But I, it's, it could also very well be Texas TCU.
1: Yeah. If there, yeah. If there's a conference tennis got out there, it's going to be one of the two.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Again, rapid firing through. That was not rapid. This next one will be. Because, of course, again, in a year of – it hasn't been that unprecedented. But, again, I know of a November surprise. I know about Tony Bresky's December surprises. Brett Macy, congratulations to you. And, honestly, a little congratulations to Rich Bonfiglio as well as, let's be honest, he had a lot to do with this recruiting. Notice how I say it with my mouth covered for those of you watching the pod because um, he's now at Penn. I have to f- cover my mouth to finish the point, Chris. Um I mean, he's invented the April surprise. Like, it's a credit to Coach Macy. It's a credit to this USC compliance department. It's a credit to Lerner Tien, who, I apologize, I'm going to swear again, could have just said, fuck it. I'm going pro. This isn't worth the hassle. He didn't. USC 4-0 over Oregon, 4-1 over Washington, 4-0 over UCLA tonight, where they get straight set wins at the 1, 2, and 3 spots. Although, to your point, again, still no Hoog Martins for this UCLA team. Still now what like are they tier one like what do we do chris i don't know what to do i'm panicking
1: yeah so so first of all i I, i'm not even going to credit coach macy with an april surprise because look this would
0: this (laughs) this this happened
1: last (laughs) year right yeah this should have been a january surprise and something's just got to be done about the process. The fact that it takes from then until now for the NCAA to make him eligible is just ridiculous. If I can if if I can sit down and do what I have to do for my ungodly taxes over the course of a week, <laughs> certainly the NCAA can figure out how to, you know, I don't know if it's a, a staffing shortage. Well, I don't know. I don't care. All I can say is, you know, three or four months is way too long to to make someone eligible. So
0: are you telling me college tennis needs their equivalent of the inflation reduction act Yeah, or agents for the IRS?
1: (laughs) Yeah. That that being said, I don't know how you don't make them, you know, a tier one, at least appendage at this point. Right. I mean, to me, look here, here's the deal. Their singles lineup is tier one. Uh, they have a tier one singles lineup. The real question is, and obviously we haven't seen it y-
0: enough yet because it started. Well, they moved to to two doubles. They split up him and Fry and put Luger at yeah, one. And it, and, well, like, it was three doubles crazy. against Oregon. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah,
1: they, 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 they got to play against Oregon. We're getting to see them play against UCLA here tonight, but it's, you know, a small sample size so far. And that's the question for me is what is the, can they actually compete now in doubles with the elite if they can compete with the elite teams in doubles now with tn in the lineup then they're tier one if they can't then giving up a 1-0 leads just too much to expect that you can you know you can beat all those teams
0: i'm gonna say quietly the sneaky best part of this i think it lit a fire under stefan dostanich's ass because he has been fine this year but he is not the dust of 2022 he hasn't lost since tian has been eligible. Three straight wins. You know, again, Oregon, Washington, now UCLA wins in straight sets. I think it's kind of like, oh, it's just like it's the shot of adrenaline. Every team would love to get in April. It's like back in 2015 when Virginia got Alex Richard healthy and eligible. And now it's like, yeah, we've been playing Weirsholm at six all year, but like, we're going to move him to the bench and we're going to play Aragoni at six and we're going to play Richard at five. And yeah, Kwiatkowski is going to be our four now and Elton our our three. And you're just like, I mean, this team isn't that, but it is like, okay, now, you know, Mock's going to be the three Wojtek, the four, and some, whoever's playing best of Colby Fry, Ludd, you know, all these guys that just have real options throughout the course Let's, of their singles.
1: Lineup. Here's the real question I have. Let's say that through the course of the rest of this season, Mm-hmm. Ler Tien, you know, wins all his matches. Can he get enough wins and points to actually make the NCAA singles <laughs> tournament just starting in April?
0: Wow. Well, that leads me to my next question. Who's the best team in the Pac-12? Because certainly if he's playing top two, you'll get looks at the Colton Smiths of the world, the or the Stroms, or, you know, again, the Zverts or... Maybe not the Cassones, but I don't know how highly ranked McKinnon is. I'm not sure how highly ranked the but UCLA guys. Yeah, basic. Or it's not going to be Basing. It'll be Banerjee or, or freaking or Bosforetti or whatever yeah. it is. And who's to say he doesn't get a few matches at one? Because Brett Macy's like, you know what? Let's try to get him some ranked wins. Let's see if he can get one win over number nine Murphy Cassone, wherever Murphy's at, whatever. And if he gets that win, like maybe all of a sudden he is in. There's also the Utah guys, and we talked about Utah a little bit earlier. 4-2 win over Arizona State. Most impressively, 4-3 win over Arizona. That's an Arizona team who beat a tn USC the weekend prior. Stanford gets a 4-3 win over Cal. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, even with TN, I guess I still ask you, Chris. Give me your top two in the Pac-12. Well,
1: I'm, there's no question that USC is the top team now. Uh, okay, so I mean, who's I, second I, best then? I, I said they were to begin with, but now with TN, they absolutely are. Um... I still have to lean, I still have to lean right now, uh, Arizona as the second best team. And just because of the, I have no clue what the lineup is going to be coming out of Stanford on any given day. Yes. Uh, I'm going to take Utah third.
0: I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Busleman, 15 and three. Bastias, 15 and five. Cabalbo, 16 and 3. And then they've got Trehawk, who's 13 and 3, he's won six in a row at the 5 and 6 spots. They can find four singles wins against anyone. Like their line – and yes, they've struggled at the number 4 spot. For what it's worth at 5, they're 15 and 5 overall. They've been fine in doubles, good, not great. Yeah, they're legit good. Like again, that top three of Bastillas, Busselman, and Cabalbo, Chris. Uh, dare I say I'm gonna use a term the kids use. Sorry, West if I'm just in a swearing mood. It's late. I'm a little I'm a little slap happy. They fuck. Like that's the real deal. That top three. That's that's legit.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's and it's great to say, I mean Everybody loves to see that from a team that's so under the radar from, from in the in the tennis world. But yeah, they are they're good. Look, we called them out a couple times last year for you know because they because keep they doing
0: it. They're like twenty and three. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, they they just and they're and you know, what if their
0: losses is got Zaga? Like, yeah, what are that, we doing here? That that's the
1: that's the thing. You look at the, what they've done and you're like, wow, you beat those teams. But then look at those those three losses. You're like, that just doesn't that. It, it doesn't add up, but no, they're, they are, they're, they're the real deal. And, you know, I would love, how great would it be to see them snag a top 16 spot? Look, who in the hell wants to go out to Utah? Utah, I know! <laughs> like, I mean, there's not, it's not near, that's anything good. That's good. you know from a from all these school standpoints it's yeah. kind of like take the, you know you take the it, iditarod to get there yeah i mean to be honest <laughs> it's all it's not much better when michigan hosts right no. I mean, out, outside of the big 10 uh, area yeah. there's just not a lot of schools in the tournament that are there it's everybody is a flight in for the most part you know you you got to draw like a louisville or or a somebody in but yeah, it's going to be the same deal at Utah. Like, who's going to Utah? Everyone's flying in because it's just not a drive from anywhere.
0: Yeah, the difference is Michigan's campus is like twenty minutes from the Detroit airport, and that's right. what makes it a little bit easier. Well, I mean, Salt Lake City is a big, big airport, is, but yeah, but but still, you're right, it though, Utah—that I mean, <laughs> would be. So but it's a, great. No, it's
1: a. I mean, and that's just, but that just makes it even better because it's a long travel for 100%. some for teams to get there, and then it just makes the home court advantage that much better. Yeah, I'll just say it again, Utah, Chris, Utah. We're talking I'm Utah. for it. I want, I want to see them. Get a I
0: think that's the that's the. And what if they? Well, for what it's worth, sneak peek, they snuck into the 16th spot in my rankings this week. I put them at 16 because, like, why not? With where are we going to go next? Harvard beats Columbia 4-3. Harvard now two and one in the season head to head. And they, again, they dropped a the doubles point. Yeah, they also beat Cornell 4-0. Here's my first question. It's a really good win for Harvard who, look, von der Schulenberg-Walker as a top two, and they've got real options elsewhere, the depth they have. They've got veterans everywhere. Columbia, we've talked about it all. They've had top five recruiting classes every year for the past, like, four or five years, certainly top 10 recruiting classes. Here's my question. Big win for Harvard. Puts both of them in the current top 16. But do you expect either of these teams to get into Orlando? Uh Columbia, no, absolutely not at this point. I just the the
1: singles, the singles on the Columbia side, I think is just it's not good enough. I think Harvard would have a chance to to throw a wrench in someone's plans if they can you know somebody's gonna be susceptible in that I'll I'll say the the six, seven, eight range. So whoever that six, seven, eight is, if you're the nine, ten, eleven that gets a shot at them, I think there's a chance. So if, if Harvard can hang on to that, you know, they're like 10, I think, right now. If they can hang to to a 9, 10, 11 spot, then I think they have a chance because those those teams are are beatable, other than boy, I sure, certainly wouldn't want it to be USC at at this point. But outside of One of the, that six, seven, eight, which, and USC is going to have a hard time getting into that top eight regardless, but yeah, I think that six, seven, eight, there's going to be a chance for, for them to be able to pull one off. I don't think so. I mean, if you make me put, you know, laying a money, you know, a line on it, it's probably like a 20% chance that one of them makes it there.
0: I guess the thing is, it's like, again, what has been the bread and butter for these teams? I think you look for Harvard, it's to take the top two and, you know, get a 2-0 lead with Walker and Vander Schulenberg. It's a lot harder to do that in the round of 16 than it will be an Ivy League play. And look, I like you, Chuck. I like Malavsky. I like a lot of the pieces, you know, song, although across the board, I like the pieces they have. I don't know if I like them more than a fry or a or a, you know, as you get up lineup, Merrick, or a mock, and those guys at three and four just outdoors. That's where things, you get a little tricky for these teams. And again, that's if USC is like the 7, eight, 9. More likely, Harvard, Columbia are going to be like 13, 14, and they're going to go take on Ohio State in Columbus, or they'll go take on Georgia in Athens. I need to see them win that match before I can believe it. And so I would lean yeah. with you. Um, with that said, though, speaking of, Georgia in Athens. Let's go rapid fire through the final weekend of SEC regular season play, Chris. And we're talking the truest of the rapid fires. UGA wraps up the conference title 5 2 over Ole Miss, 6 1 over Mississippi State. I believe it's the first conference title since 2017. And that was like the Montgomery and no, that wasn't Montgomery. He was already gone. But that was like the Oosterbahn and with and Robbie Loeb and Zelinsky teams. I don't want to say
1: Walker Duncan. Yeah,
0: I I was talking to someone, by the way, about that, because you remember Loeb and Zelensky, of course, were the number one doubles team in the country. No disrespect to Robbie Loeb, but I was talking to someone from those teams recently, not like uh, someone around those teams from back in the day. And they were like, I was like, yeah, don't you remember how good that Zelensky Loeb team was? And they were like, I'll tell you this wasn't Robbie. And I was like, I was dying. I was like, no, like, I thought they were pretty even. But then you see what Zelensky's doing in the pros and you're like, all right, maybe, maybe it wasn't Robbie. Um, Anyways, deserving SEC champs.
1: Yeah. I mean, you run the table, but look, how many times times have we seen that happen in the regular season? And then that team can't, you know, can't do it in the tournament. So uh, it's going to be interesting. And I think there's a very good chance that somebody can knock them off in
0: the tournament. And, yeah, the, and the
1: SEC tournament, that is. So, you know, it'll be well, interesting. It's,
0: well, it's because Tennessee's hot, right? Four over yeah. Arkansas, four one over Old Miss. They look great. South Carolina, as Tanner alluded to earlier, regained some rhythm. Five, two over Florida, four, one over AM. Good
1: I mean, weekend for South Carolina. They
0: needed that, like, fire needs oxygen, Chris. Yeah. And I do think they're starting to get things back on track. Although, again, like, I think Samuel and Thompson went 0-2 on the weekend in doubles and like they still won the matches that I think is the biggest Testament uh, to the success that South Carolina had and A&M was pushing them early in that match. They took A&M took the doubles point. Like, yeah. A- and a- A&M a- a- had
1: no shactor and that was a real bummer for them.
0: Yeah. We called that match, Chris. That's, yeah. I was like, wait a second. I know that match. Um, yeah. It's a tough weekend for Florida. Obviously they drew South Carolina and Kentucky, Kentucky, the five, two win over Florida, but yeah. The Gators are good. Like I don't, they're going to be non top 16 and they could absolutely beat someone those first two weeks.
1: Uh, yeah. The they were, races. they're still competitive. Even those matches against the top 10 SEC teams, they, they hang in tight with those teams. So they're going to be, they're going to be dangerous for whoever they get.
0: AM, 4-1 over Auburn. God, did they need it? But the biggest winners of the SEC final weekend, Chris, LSU. LSU. 4-1 over Auburn, 4-1 over Vandy. Are they in?
1: They're, they're a lock. Yeah. They moved from like, outside of it and or on the bubble to they are and they're an absolute lock now
0: all right well if you're listening to this head coach danny bryan assistant coach seb ray first year on the job back in the tournament hopefully you hear that round of applause coming from me normally we'd go sound effect but um that's well done in year number one again a job well done no ifs ands or buts about it let's move over to the acc uva third straight regular season undefeated in conference play you know what that means chris it means Rodesh von der Schulenberg and Montez and Kiefer. If you have to lose a match in conference play, Chris. And like that's pretty damn I mean Dare I say, the Who's are back? And like when you hired Coach Pedroso, I think we should do a 30 for 30 on the twenty eighteen Virginia team that went five hundred and lost Weirsholm and Soderlit uh, and Sunderland uh, and Carl. I'm just gonna call him Carl uh for the year. Because like that was Andreas's first year. And ever since quarterfinals in 2019, undefeated regular season and beat Ohio State at Ohio State 2021. National champs 2022, undefeated in regular league season play 2023. Now, again, he inherited a blue chip program. Credit to Andres Pedroso Westoff make a note here. He didn't fuck it up.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: I don't know how it, else to say
1: it. it. It's been good. And, and yeah, the, and it's, you know, we've said it, we've been saying this for a month now. They've, you know, they know they can do it when they need to. The, it's now coming down time to when the, you know, they, they rolled the regular season in the ACC as we thought they would. And now it's, you know, ever since they got out of, got out of indoors, they've been, they, they've just been fire. And mm-hmm. you know, how, the question is where does it do they do it all again like they did last year or where does it end
0: absolutely well again we've talked about coach pedroso who was the former assistant on that uva team that a decade ago won the first title in uva men's tennis history where did do you know where andreas pedroso played his college days duke okay good cuz that's where we want to go next an easy segue there duke best acc finish since 2015 since the days of nico alvarez and you know, again, T.J. Pura and Henry Cunha, Reed Carlton, Jason Tahir, Michael Redlicki in his freshman season. Those that know, know. Um, it's been since that era of Duke, early 2010s Duke, since they've been, let's just say it, relevant at the top of men's college tennis. This Duke team is relevant right now, Chris. Most ACC wins, I believe, in their program history. Again, best conference finish since 2015. 4-3 over FSU, 6-1 over Miami, they're just good. Like they they Pedro Rodinas doesn't lose and then they find their way to three more points.
1: Yeah. Look, look, the difference right between what they're doing now and, and, and what they had been doing is. They're well they are just a little bit better. And the yeah. fact that they are a little bit better has allowed them to do what they should do, and that is beat these teams. That are just below them and, you know, win the matches you're supposed to win, especially the really tight, close matchups like this match with Florida State. That's a that's an that's a toss up match and you come out and you win the match. And if you're going to be a top 15 team, that's what you do. You win those matches. You don't just split them and keep going 500 in those matches.
0: No, and they've got veterans, right? Like Dale at five grinds. I really like Krug at four. I think he's played well. You know, again, whether they go with Khan or the other Krug or whatever their option is at six, they have choices. And the key is they always take two of the top three. One of Zhang and Johns are winning at the one in three spot. And then Rodinus is as close to a lock as you have in all of college tennis. So you're right. They just have real pathways to four now. Like they just beat who they're supposed to beat. You said it perfectly.
1: And- yeah. And I don't ever want to call another Dale match again. You said it, man. He's crying. Boy, <laughs> that, that could be. That could be like that's like four hours, uh, yeah. you know. The, the, boy, know, do they boy they and, uh, go forever.
0: Who played five for? Uh, it wasn't uh It wasn't big ground strokes. It, who played five for FSU? Because yeah, they're still finishing the first set over on oh, court number five. F- five for FSU. Gosh, whoever it was, I'm telling you, they're still playing that first set. Like every match was finished. And Connell like, okay, was so, six,
1: and I think Shift yeah. was four. Who yeah. the heck is? Oh, it's uh, Andrea Petrovich.
0: Yeah, and they were just grinding and it was just like all right we don't need this um last question as it relates to the acc how good is unc 4-1 over fsu indoors 4-2 over miami jansen and polling are really good at three and four but like sternok and segerman have been good not great lee uh watani uh actually honestly uh who's their freshman kate has been a lot better of late good not great they're UNC, so inherently they're always going to be minimum good at doubles. They're like the definition of a 15 seed. Like they really do feel like they're properly located.
1: Yeah, and and I don't have I don't I don't even I don't feel as good about them just because it, it hasn't been as strong a finish as it has for Duke, as well as the fact that I don't really feel great about them. You know, as good about them outdoors. Um, you know, we're gonna they've even down the stretch here, a lot of these matches, they've been able to play indoors and, you know, guys like Segerman do really well in there, even polling, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, to your point, I think they're, yeah, they, they're they good. We're, we're talking like, oh, they're not great. It's, it's because of the expectations we have of, you know, top 10 type, you know, North Carolina, they are, they're like a 15 type team that's going to be, it's going to beat the teams they should beat, but they're going to really struggle to beat anybody that's you know top 12.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a perfect assessment. Well, with that said, folks, that's everything that's happened here in the Division One men's college tennis universe this weekend. Now, uh, of course, with all that in mind, let's quickly go through our rankings, what we've got ahead of uh, where we have things located. Again, we've quickly shifted things to a top 16 in our rankings, no longer a top 10 to reflect who we think the 16 seeds should be in this year's NCAA tournament. Chris, not a ton of movement in our top eight, still Texas, TCU, Ohio State, top three, Georgia four, Virginia five, Michigan six, Tennessee up to seven, Kentucky at eight. Yeah. Not crazy to me.
1: No. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think we're, uh, we're directionally yeah. correct here. I, I, think- I
0: think, I think we're very smart
1: if I do say so ourselves. I- I, I think the problem is you can't really warrant it off just making a guy eligible, but I think USC is better than a number 11, but that they're going to have to come out and prove it.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're right. But this is again, by resume, like you, I, yeah. I agree. They were the toughest team to place now with TN. You're like, can I give them the boost even though they just freaking lost to right. Arizona and for what it's worth Duke nine, it's the highest they've ever been in a crack racket's poll. South Carolina 10, USC 11, Harvard 12, UNC 13, Mississippi State 14, Arizona 15, Columbia 16. For what it's worth, I dropped Arizona out. I had Harvard 14, Columbia 15, Utah 16 and Arizona was my next man up. I mean again, like where are you with the top 16? Anything you like or don't like? Uh I mean it's it's really hard to argue
1: with with any of it. Um I I think I think you could nitpick spots here or there, but no, I, I in general I I think it's it's very good.
0: Yeah, I, I again I, I think we're on it. Um, I it is just you know again uh, USC is the outlier where it's just like buy vibes they should be higher. If you want to learn about the strengths of Lerner TN, why we're so high on this team, go read Archit Suresh's piece recently written for our website, crackrackets.com. It was particularly wonderful. Uh, just, again, talking about the firepower. He has his game style, what fans can expect from him. But, yeah. That's our top sixteen: Texas, TCU, Ohio State, Georgia, the top four: Virginia, Michigan, Tennessee, Kentucky. Five through eight: Duke, South Carolina, USC, Harvard. Nine through twelve: UNC, Mississippi State, Arizona, and Columbia. Your final. And I'll,
1: I'll tell you what. Somebody in the somebody had asked in the in the chat as well. Uh, you know who are the teams that you'd be scared to see? The hosts, the teams you'd be scared to see. He's probably thinking more outside of the. You know. In the first two rounds, but I'm going to I'm going to go to the to that third round. If USC doesn't manage to make a run and get into it, you know, doesn't isn't able to get into the top eight based off what they have left in the Pac-12 tournament. I don't expect them to lose a match, but if they went out and still don't get to a top eight nobody wants to see them you know that's the team that's going to be pissed about the fact that the NCA took so long to make learner Tn learner TN eligible is hmm. the team that has to see them come visit them with learner TN because they are now a non-host because they had to wait so long yeah. that's a that's a team you don't want to see
0: well said I agree the saltiness of who draws USC in the round of sixteen unless USc is a top eight seed yeah. Lots of we're talking Himalayan levels of salt uh, for that coaching staff. But with all that in mind, again, still have one more week to go in the regular season. You do have some conference tournament play beginning as well. Chris, we're just going to go straight predictions through everything to wrap tonight's show. SEC conference tournament. Who you got? Tennessee. ACC. Virginia. Big 12. Texas. Texas. Michigan's record at home against Northwestern and Illinois, two and zero. Arizona at Arizona State, Arizona. Utah at USC and UCLA,
1: one and one. They lose to USC. They beat UCLA.
0: Nebraska at Wisconsin.
1: Man, it's at Wisconsin, which makes yeah. it tough. But with so much, I mean, actually, there's so much on the line for both. But I don't even know if it gets Wisconsin in. If if they do it, I'll take Nebraska.
0: Those are two of my guys. I love Danny. I love yep. Sean. Yep. I'm picking four three. Fuck it. I don't. I don't want a winner. Just yeah. match it three all and say you both get winners points. Um, USF versus UCF. I guess I got to take UCF. Tulsa SMU. Ooh. that's the last one. And that might be the best match of the week. That is that that is that's tough. I, just because my guy AG's at Tulsa, I'm going to go Tulsa. I like it. Shout out to Andrew Goodwin. I our guy. He's not your guy. He's our guy. I knew him first, Chris. So he's actually <laughs> my guy that you <laughs> met through marriage. Um, yeah. All right. With all that said, folks, that's everything. That we've got for you here on tonight's show. Again, a massive thank you to Tanner Stump for taking the time to join us. Should we make that a weekly thing the rest of the way, Chris? Do you think he'd be willing to do it? I don't want to force it upon him.
1: Yeah, we can ask. I'm sure. I'm I'm sure he would.
0: Mm-hmm. I hope we have him again because he is one of my favorite yeah. brains. Hey, uh, we,
1: we do have to give one other shout out. There's actually been one automatic qualifier for the NCAA tournament already. St. Yeah. Francis Brooklyn. They're in.
0: Yes. SFB, and not SPF, not to be confused. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> yeah, St. Francis, Brooklyn, shout out. Yeah, I love it. All right. With all that said, folks, again, we'll be back next week to talk conference tournaments, to preview what is actually the final week of the 2023 regular season. Of course, again, a shout out to Tanner Stump, a shout out to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the job he does day in, day out. A shout out to our sponsors at Turner and LS for their weekly support. And then last, but certainly not least, yes, a shout out to you, Chris Hallioris. And you, again, college tennis fans, you can just be smarter by using all the tools offered at his website payment free. I want to point out again, doesn't make a dime. Well, here's what I'll always ask. This is the stupidest thing. And it probably isn't even real, Chris, but I just want you to know that this is what I do because I love you. I click on every ad. That pops up on your site because I'm like, I don't care if it's six cents going his way. I am fucking getting my man paid. And I'm like, so click
1: on the ads, folks. I I, I greatly appreciate it. And I will tell you, it's been an experiment just to see. I was more intrigued to see would it actually do anything. And so for everybody that wants to know when it went live in from whatever January from then till now, it's actually look this month. This month, it's a record. We're at what is today? The 19th. It's generated eighty-one dollars this month. Yes,
0: yes,
1: let's (laughs) go. But yeah, it's turned a grand total of three hundred and nine dollars now for the year. Uh, So yeah, no, I'm not. uh, But those are the first dimes I've made. But yeah, that that was it. It was more. I was more intrigued, and it just in basically it ramps up here for like a two month window, and then it'll be dead again.
0: No, we need. Uh, again, it's the GoFundMe we'll do when you've retired from your actual yeah. job. When it's like, okay, we'd like to pay Chris to do all these things still. Tell you know, again, I am sure every coach in their budget would be like, hey, like let's leave a thousand because like then we don't need a rankings guy. Like we can just pay Chris, get it for free. Like let's do it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah.
1: So well, well, we're, we're working on some.
0: We're working on some ideas there. Okay. But you know, you're like Ernie Johnson on you don't watch nba TV. tnt do you watch inside the nba no chance <laughs> um Come on. but you're ernie Johnny's whole
1: story man
0: yeah but you know how he's unsullied by sponsors for ernie's neato stat of the night presented yeah. by nobody unsullied by sponsors that's you you are also unsullied by sponsors um that's yeah, only and and too lazy to get any i'm working on it <laughs> All right. With all that said, let's wrap the show for the professor, the lean, mean, vegan machine, our man, Chris Helioris, our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, our friends at LS and Turnra, our dear friend, Tanner Stompet, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.